This is No Starving Artist Podcast. You deserve a successful creative life. I'm Anissa Benitez, a marketing expert at top companies and creative journeyer. I'm here to support your creative wellness, financially, mentally, and spiritually. Share with me your questions and I'll share perspective. Hello, creative people. Welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is about happiness versus joy. The pursuit of happiness versus the surrender to joy. There's a reason why we need to pursue happiness. Anything that requires that we chase it is because it is leaving us. It is fleeting. We've created a society of insecurity where we need to work hard or work smart to chase food, chase water, chase shelter, healthcare, a lot of basic human needs. Because the bottom of our hierarchy of needs is unfulfilled without pursuit of external things, without the pursuit of money, power, control, etc. So we chase it. Even unknowingly, many of us are chasing. There is a lot of needless suffering in our world and there is also a lot of wisdom. A lot of wise people have also influenced our society A lot of our wisdom is still embedded within society, and we see that in the concept of retirement. We have instilled retirement after a certain point in the U.S. because we believe that once someone has chased the fleeting happiness enough, insert that a job, money, power, possessions, all these external things, that they should regardless of their success in that pursuit, still be able to enjoy life. And enjoy is an interesting word. Enjoy is defined as take pleasure or delight in. It doesn't require any pursuit. We believe that people should be able to relax and feel joy. But this is not highlighted for us, and it's not always feeling accessible. It may not feel pronounced during times of insecurity or suffering that we have joy, but we always carry joy. Joy is permanent. We simply have to surrender to it. I hope this episode helps highlight how. Our agenda for today's episode is first how this topic became relevant to me this week. It's been relevant to me for a little bit and based on last week's episode, which I felt lacked a lot of specificity and transparency on what I'm going through, I think this will compensate. Second will be a culture analysis of the film, The Pursuit of Happiness, released in 2016 and featured Will Smith, directed by Gabriel Massino. The screenplay was by Stephen Conrad, but it's based on the true life of Chris Gardner. And then third will be a culture recommendation, a book I'm currently reading. If you've been enjoying and getting value from this podcast, your support through donation would be hugely appreciated. You can make a contribution at anchor.fm backslash no starving artists backslash support. Writing, researching, recording, and promoting this podcast is a joy to me, but it also takes work and I would love to be supported. Also, if you can help people find this podcast, it would make a huge difference. You can rate and review it and leave those at Apple Podcasts.
lately I've been feeling a bit floaty and this is how the topic of pursuit of happiness versus surrender to joy became relevant to me. I'm feeling floaty because I'm feeling joy and not this kind of grounding street level chase that I had historically been accustomed to. I feel a level of detachment from New York City where I live given the circumstances of COVID. I know many of us are experiencing that, not being in the world, more being in our world, our internal thoughts, our minds in the news and our phones, whatever, but not really engaged in the external world as much in reality. And with culture arts and culture programming in New York City being on hold. I'm not engaging with people in that same way. I love the beautiful diversity and energy that the city brings me and there's less of that in my life. And if I'm being really honest, I'm also not as hungry for it as I historically was. I don't have the same appetite for external stimulation as I did 10 months ago. Beyond stimulation, It was an external state of happiness that I was hungry for. Happiness to me has always changed over time, and that's what happiness tends to do. The benchmark for happiness might move up. It might change form. It might be a relationship, a promotion, the ability to travel. For me, it was being able to go to concerts and take dance classes and work out and see these friends and live in a sunlit apartment and these soft sweatpants and the list goes on and I still find happiness in all of those things but you can insert many external things that bring you happiness but the happiness will always be somewhat fleeting. The key is that there are things around us, external to us, And they do have weight on our sense of feeling. But once we have them, we adjust to the new normal. Now I feel more satiated, more contentness. And it's honestly a bit strange to me. Especially because New York City is all about hustle and bustle and chase and dreams. And I love that. And I know even if I achieve every dream that I have, it's still not going to yield me more joy though it will make me happy. The joy I feel now didn't come from any pursuit. It came from almost the opposite. It came from surrender. It came from the last 10 months of being able to pour into myself love and care that I historically claimed I did not have time for. I've been able to meditate regularly, practice yoga, dance in my mirror, to listen to inspiring podcasts and audiobooks and speeches and listen to the birds chirping and sit in silence and observe everything around me, to sing in my kitchen while cooking, to feel the warmth of tea as it hits my lips and then engulfs my mouth. These small sensations I appreciate, they incite happiness, and I feel it more strongly because I feel joy. Born out of this period of reflecting and introspection on trauma in my life has allowed me to accept my shadow side and see 
that a lot of choices I made came from feelings of scarcity or anger or detachment. I was rooted in competitiveness. I was felt envy, gen, I don't know, spite, jealousy, all those things and all those shadow dark emotions are like pebbles and we may not realize that we've amassed a mountain of pebbles on top of us the process of surrendering is being able to see what we're doing seeing us placing those pebbles atop ourselves seeing those emotions seeing how we're moving from a subconscious place and being conscious being conscious enough to remove them question why we're doing what we're doing choosing to move from love instead and each time we choose to act in love we surrender we are lightening our load we are removing a pebble that's weighing on us weighing us down and it comes from first treating ourselves with that kindness yes we can make do acts of kindness that also helps us move towards love And as we start removing those pebbles, acting as our higher self over time, embracing our shadow sides, but choosing love, we start to remove that. We feel more lightness. We feel less rooted in fear. I'm not fearful, you might think. And I say that to myself. Regularly, that was probably one of my inner thoughts. Like, people should fear me. I don't fear others. (laughs) I'm the scary one. And I carried this as, you know, a child thinking I was a little bit of a villain and perceiving myself that way based on my experiences as a competitive rebel child. And I can now see through that that rebel child just wanted passionate and stable love from parents and now with that insight I'm able to pick off more of those pebbles and see that tender child while also being that disciplined that loving parent who is doing the work of removing those pebbles therefore within all of us we contain a child and a parent both of them are in you both of them are strong so in questioning And softening and lightening my load these days, I've been feeling floating. And with that, um, our next segment will highlight why so many of us are pursuing happiness rather than surrendering into love through a cultural analysis. As some of you know, I founded More By Her, a platform to dismantle the starving artist stigma. Each week, we share a new story of creative women shaping culture on Wednesdays, Wisdom Drop Wednesdays, for those who identify as women, non-binary, she, her, they, them, thriving artists who are willing to give transparency on their creative journey and how they do it. Follow us at morebyher.com or on Instagram at more underscore by underscore her. I decided to do a cultural analysis because I think that 
we know that we've been socialized and conditioned to believe certain things and it's kind of hard to understand how and I think through revisiting this film The Pursuit of Happiness we can see how it has been romanticized so the film The Pursuit of Happiness is a rags to riches story came out the film in 2006 and it features the story of a successful businessman Chris Gardner Will Smith stars in this film it is a drama based on this true story of a single father who went from homelessness to being a successful businessman it is compelling it is moving it appeals to many What makes this movie compelling is that Will Smith's character already has power, abundance, light. He has joy. We'd maybe externally call that strength. He has real promise. He has real potential, real determination, despite his homelessness. Those are also just judgments because of the ways that we have been socialized He's a sincerely lovable character, and there's a number of acts of kindness that are highlighted throughout the film to reflect that quality in him, especially the way that he cares for his young son. Even in hardship, we feel his joy. So while we watch this movie, we are trying to understand maybe why we are so compelled to see the success and to see the rags to riches story for this man because we care for him so much because he's so full of love so many people in this world are experiencing unnecessary suffering deprivation of happiness circumstances of food insecurity unstable shelter poor health care access etc the bottom of maslow's hierarchy of needs is so unfulfilled and the course to reaching the top of that hierarchy to reaching self-actualization is not going to be possible because, well, you don't know where your next meal is coming. What's pivotal in this movie is the last scene, and that's what I'll highlight. In this last scene of the film, it's hard not to cry. Chris, Will Smith's character, made a bet with these brokers that he could prove his worth to them. And he said, during the set period, I will prove to you despite how I appear that I am worthy and I have the hard work and determination to make this possible, to be a person you'd hire. And in the final scene, this is the last day. This is the final day where he had said that he would prove to them. And so he believes it's his final day. He's called into the office with these executives. And as he's shaking, thinking this is opportunity it's over they tell him to come back tomorrow he's hired as a full-time person um while he was homeless with his son on the streets and in this moment he feels shaking he's holding back tears he leaves the office and enters a crowded street he's just been allowed security He's just been allowed an opportunity to live beyond just survive. To move from surviving to living. And the 
aim, I think, in life is to move from living to thriving, to reach abundance. But he's been in this position based on our society, in this position of huge scarcity, real scarcity. But in this moment, you see him run out of the office. He enters the crowded streets of San Francisco, surrounded by crowds. The voiceover of him says, this is a part of my life. This is a part called happiness. He then runs down the street and is beaming. And I think for many of us, we would see this portion of the film and think, that is, that is what we need. This is what life is about. It's about pursuing happiness. It's about those moments where we get the thing. But he continues to go down the street where he then enters Chinatown and picks up his son from daycare, holds him, squeezes him, and is crying. This is the part of the movie that's not romanticized enough. It's possible to watch this and not cry, but that is hard to believe. And it's so powerful a moment. And this is many moments that we've romanticized in film and movies and books etc about achieving a thing and it's hard not to internalize that feeling that he's expressing of happiness as a result of getting a job of getting something external because in his case it is but it doesn't apply to us as people because if we're not in a place where we're homeless and need the security of a shelter then getting a promotion isn't going to bring that happiness. If you're safe, then you're not Chris. And I think many of us are brainwashed to think that we are the characters in those films. Um, Maybe it's The Bachelorette and we're searching for love or whoever else, but we think that achieving a thing, money, fame, marriage, praise, is going to yield that same feeling And maybe it does, but it's temporary. That moment is happiness. And then in that final scene, it it goes black. And we see the true story of what's highlighted. It says after beginning his career, Chris Gardner was, you know, then had a successful career and founded his own investment firm. That is a fact. And I doubt that initial burst of happiness was sustained. And I actually know it's not. But based on the portrayal by Will Smith, I believe that he continued to feel joy because he was moved by love to support his child, to want to support his child. And it's powerful to see the moment where the screen goes back to him holding his son and walking him out of the pre-K and he's asking his son questions. And this is really important. He asks his son, who's the king of the jungle? And the kid says, gorilla. He says, gorilla? No. It's a lion. But then the kid says to the dad, guess what? Knock, knock. Who's there? And dad says, who? Kid says, Shelby. And then he says, Shelby coming around the mountain when she comes. And then he goes on to say, guess what? Knock, knock. Dad says, who's there? 
Kid says, nobody. And dad says, nobody who? And then the silence falls until he realizes that nobody's there. And they both start laughing. And they walk out of frame. And that's the last scene. We see the Bay Bridge. We hear their laughter. And that's actually the best takeaway of the film is that joy that was always there for the entirety of the film. There's always been that joy there. He carried that joy. They share a joy in their relationship. This child is showing him that the facts don't matter so much. The feeling does, that their love for each other does. What they have is greater than anything that's a fleeting moment, that they have love. So... I hope that's what we see. I hope that's what we take away. But it's more likely we see this whole film as the pursuit of happiness. Even though he's explicitly highlighted that there's just that one moment in this whole story that was happiness. And everything else that's unspoken. All the other times have been joy. This man, Chris was able to achieve a life of less fear where he had security, where he's able to provide for his son, where he's able to lead a life of more love, a life beyond survival to security, a place beyond happiness, the ability to at last rest in joy. close I have a culture wreck this book I'm still in the middle of and it's truly mind opening it's been so affirming it's titled spiritual partnership and it's by Gary Zukov he is a prolific writer uh, spiritual who's been mentioned many times by Oprah she mentioned Gary Zukov in a podcast I was listening to recently, and I noted down and looked up his work to start indulging. In this book on spiritual partnership, he guides readers on a practical path to authentic power. It does not disappoint, and he explores multidimensional humans, being we are beyond just what we can see. There is sensing there's intuition, how to tap into and strengthen your intuition and build internal power. Part of that path of strengthening your internal power comes with the recognition of being powerful, of understanding that you're worthy and you've always contained worthiness. And that's what we see highlighted in Chris. He's a person who knows that he's worthy despite how he externally presents when he is homeless. He knows that he has internal power. He knows that he carries love. He has love that he shares with his son. It's so powerful. And we can still pursue happiness. But eventually we know that all we need sometimes is to surrender to our joy. Uh, There's so many quotables within this book so far. Gary Zukov says... Joy is knowing why you're alive and being grateful to be living. He also says in an excerpt that joy is permanent. 
Happiness is temporary. Joy depends on what happens inside of you. Happiness depends on what happens outside of you. He then goes into many other explanations, but I love how he explains that we simply need to simplify our path, to simplify and remove the obstruction to joy. It's been said by so many people where, you know, we just have to allow ourselves to feel what we feel. We have to allow ourselves to soften. We have to allow our guard to come down the hard shell. It's a much simpler path. It's a lot harder work sometimes. But the path is simple. The path is always accessible to us versus the pursuit of happiness has a lot more external dependence. The pursuit does not describe what we are experiencing. I see it as more of a surrendering. And the surrendering takes work. The surrendering takes release. I believe love is powerful, more powerful than fear. But allowing our love to break through Uh, requires us to resist less, deprive ourselves less, control less, to allow that love to be felt. And I'll quote this part of the book too. To close, he says, artists as isolated, temperamental, and suffering is now being replaced with a more accurate representation of artists which is aware, intuitive, courageous enough to engage with life fully in the present moment, wise enough to see themselves and others clearly, compassionate enough to care for all. Joy is what you carry permanently, even in the hard times. It is maybe more pronounced when we surrender, when we feel security, when we're not suffering, but I hope you feel its presence always. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm so grateful to be a resource to you during this time. I've been enjoying and if you've been enjoying and getting value from this podcast, please support it at anchor.fm backslash no starving artist backslash support. You can find me at Anisa Benitez on Instagram. Follow the wisdom of many thriving creative women and non-binary people at morebyher.com. You're no starving artist. Grateful to be learning and growing and enjoying this beautiful, precious, fleeting, temporary life that we have. I appreciate you.